Here the tone, the time will be 9.05 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'm Oscar Rios, and you're listening to Legends of Tabletop. Hello and welcome everybody to the Legends of Tabletop podcast. I have, as you have heard, Oscar Rios again to talk about a brand new Kickstarter for the Lovecraft Country Holiday Collection. Oscar, how are you doing? I am doing good. Um, we funded in the yeah, second day, uh, first weekend. Uh, we went live like Thursday at midnight before Sunday we were funded. So that was like, okay, 70% of the stress is gone. Um, um, that 30% is going to stretch out. <laughs> so it's going to be, a, but projects happening. That's the main thing. You know, we, you know, now it's all, how cool is it going to be? Like how much more, um, are we going to add on? Uh, we have a lot of plans for that, but you know, we can get to that. Yep. Absolutely. Now, is this the, the quickest, uh, funded Kickstarter that you guys have had so far? I, I have to check, but I don't think so. We did cold warning. <laughs> which was supposed to be one scenario. It was a two week Kickstarter and it was a very low amount and cold warning seemed like it funded in less than a day. Okay. And then that whole Kickstarter turned into three books, you know, it turned into <laughs> a, uh, riot at red plank and then uh, riding the northbound. So it became like a three book Kickstarter set, but right. um, yeah, we hit, I think it was a, <clears throat> 7,000 budget, seven day Kickstarter. Um, it was over pretty quickly. Yeah, I, I forgot you did the Kickstarter like that. <sighs> yeah, I, I wish they had done that again. That seemed really interesting. Like that whole, you know, one week Kickstarter. Like I would definitely jump on another one of those, uh, especially That's... with some of the scenarios that we didn't get to on other Kickstarters, like the unreached stretch goals. Mm -hmm. uh, there are people who are dying for some of those, you know, we tease them and talked all about them and we didn't get them. And then we're like, oh, whatever happened to that great scenario that Scott was going to write about the, you know, the, you know, the, 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 the secret council outing gay students. And, you know, I'm like, <laughs> we didn't make the stretch goal people. Um, yeah. You know, Scott's not going to write for free. Um <laughs> Yeah, but, that that sort of thing seems really key, to, like especially for RPGs for like a scenario based. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, for like one, you know, a small thing or or a single like you know, like those that it was a one long adventure, you know, like two nights of play, that kind of stuff. It was it worked really well, I thought. Right, right. Yeah, we we missed you. So intentionally, we didn't have you on the Necronomicon wrap up because we knew that you know you're going to be coming on for this. How was your Necronomicon experience? Exhausting, but so rewarding. Um, I ran three amazing games. I was on a couple of panels that went very well. But really, I think that just seeing all of the people in the, the community, it's like you couldn't throw a dead cat within a square mile of the Biltmore and not see five people you knew on the street. 
you know, uh, from our community and, you know, people from Europe and, and, you know, you know, the, you know, Asia and all across America and Canada and, and pretty much every, you know, this is, you know, I think we, I coined the phrase a few days ago, Cthulhu Palooza. (laughs) (laughs) This is our Cthulhu Palooza. This is where our community gathers every two years to just say, Hey, what's up, you know, to, to all of our fellow creators and it's, you know, fiction and gaming and podcasting and films and, and live performances and artists and sculptors. And it's just all of us, we're all there. Um, and we're all having a great time. You know, you really get to connect with the fans too, which is, is great. You know, like, um, you forget that you're a little bit nerd famous. Um, (laughs) and then people come up and like, Hey, you know, sign this. And you're like, Oh wait, I wrote that, you know, and it's like, (laughs) it's, it's really cool. And, you know, to hear their feedback about how much they like something or they're looking forward to something, or even, you know, the occasional criticism that you, you listen to and say, Hey, you know what, that's a point of view that maybe I wasn't aware of. Um, so really to have that, that, give the fans that time and access is pretty, pretty sweet, you know? Yeah. And, and, it, and it's a huge family thing. Like we, we talked about it. I mean, that's what it feels like. Right. Cause you know, like, you know, so many people from just being online, like it was crazy for me because we, you know, we're out to, to eat and, you know, we're I'm sitting there with Pete and, you know, Scott was coming out and he was like, you know, I've never met Oscar. I'm like, you fucking kidding me. That's what I messaged you. I'm like, where are you? Because yeah. I have to send Pete over. Like what the fuck? I was in the middle of a pastrami sandwich when he showed up. <laughs> and I'm like, sure, I've got a few minutes, dude. And he's he's written for me. He's been in like five, like three or four books for my company. Just never, you know, those those fiction and RPG circles don't overlap. That uh, we're working on that. Um, yeah, you know, we've had a few dual book uh, fiction RPG sets. Like our cat Kickstarter was a fiction RPG and. Hopefully that'll be going to the printer soon. Um, you know, a couple of our Cthulhu Invictus had a fiction companion. Uh, the last one, Inner Darkness, had a fiction companion. The one we're running now is a two-book Kickstarter with a RPG and a fiction book. You know, I, I've said it before. I'm, I'm a kid of the 80s. I loved playing D&D and then picking up the Dragonlance books and the Harper series. And, uh, you know, shout out to Chris Loader. Now you know, old, old old school, you know, art, you know, D and D author now working for Chaosium, right, right. Well, it's cool, and you can, you know, because you can, like, there's so much information you can pack into a scenario with, you know, background stuff and box text and all that sort of th- stuff. But then, you know, when you get the fiction campaign, you really get to kind of delve in and and kind of explore those themes a little bit more, especially something like Inner Darkness. You know, we're you know, you have a scenario in a place however it plays as light or as dark as someone wants to, but then, you know, when, when you get to really explore that fiction, it gives you a whole other aspect. Right. Which is pretty cool. I think in the current one, the Lovecraft Country holiday collection, we're blurring that line like never before. Hmm. Um, the, the key to these are the six Lovecraft Country cousins. It's six pre-generated investigators who are all cousins, all um, between 11 and 13, um, two from Arkham, two from Dunwich, one from Kingsport, one from Innsmouth. And they get together at the holidays and they have adventures. Um, so we've had uh, the two scenarios that are written 
from the old monograph series are uh, Halloween in Dunwich and Christmas in Kingsport. So our fiction companion is six short stories centered on one of the NPCs as a character in the story and located in the town, you know, in the, the city or the town or, or, you know, whatever that they live. So you'll get, um, you know, you'll get a George Wheaton story set in Arkham and uh, an Alice Sanders story set in Innsmouth. Um, <clears throat> and the fiction, all the fiction people loved it. They were like, in a way, it was like giving them a head start. It's like, mm -hmm. here's, your, here's your setting. Here's your character. Here's everything that's been written about this character. Go. Right. And they were, you know, and so those stories, I think, uh, out of the six, two, uh, four of them are already in-house and two were waiting for. Um, but that book came together really, really quick. Which is another reason I'm glad we funded really well because everybody already worked. That book was almost written, and I'm like, "Oh, if this isn't fun, it's going to be ugly." <laughs> and you've got Pete working on that one as well. Oh, he was the first one to turn his work in. Mm -hmm. That's uh, a surprise. Very not no, yeah. I, I for me, who's labeled as being quite prolific, um, he puts me to shame. He, you know, he gets his stuff done. Uh, done, turned in, moves on to the next one. So, God bless mm -hmm. him for that. Uh, he's what every editor, it was every every publisher and editor likes, you know. <laughs> That's cool. And, that, and then, uh, so the monographs are they're uh, available uh, on PDF still, but they're this will be like the only print for seventh edition. Then. Okay. First off, if you want to, if you haven't played them yet, wait for this new book. Um, not to take away sales from Chaosium, but I wrote those a long time ago. Um, kind of like you were young and needed the money. Um, so they're, they're, you know, they're, they could be better. They're not bad. They're better than a lot of my early stuff. Um, but these are going to be much longer, um, much, you know, well, you know, much improved, um, and everything's going to be updated for seventh edition. So, and those are written in like, I don't know, maybe 6.2 or, I mean, those are written, those are old books. Yeah. And this is going to have all new art, all new maps, um, lots of more details. Um, like I'm actually in the current, in the process of re re rewriting the Dunwich one and the location in the book is the Hills of Dunwich. I'm like, oh yeah, that's, that's not gonna, that's not gonna fly. So I, <laughs> so I got, you know, I, I read, you know, Pulled out this bad boy, mm -hmm. and I'm like, we need an address. We need to know which hill, you know, where is this farm located? So, you know, now we have that level of detail. Like, we know where the farm is. We know who the nearest neighbors are, you know, the general uh, topography of the area. Um, hey, Max. <laughs> Yeah, with StreamYard now, you guys can all see the comments. <laughs> yeah. Before I have the laptop open, the desktop open, going back and forth, and StreamYard is nice because oh, everything just kind of pops up now. Yeah, it's very nice, very professional. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it's uh, we've, we're already rewriting Halloween in Dunwich. I'm going to move on to Christmas in Kingsport after that. Um, and then, knock on wood, hopefully start writing the two stretch goal scenarios that we're hoping to unlock which will be Eastern Arkham and Innsmouth Independence Day. Now, are those completely new, or is that stuff that you've kind of... I've, I, 
I've, I've never written them down and I've never run them. I've been thinking about them for over a decade. Um, I always had envisioned since I, since, since I wrote Christmas in Kingsport after Halloween in Dunwich that, well, if I've got Halloween and, you know, if I've got the two, you know, you're going to do the solstice and the equinox. You're going to yeah. do those, you know, you're going to do those four. <clears throat> so if I've done one solstice and one equinox, I've got to do the other two. And these are the tent pole holidays of, of the year. Everybody was like, oh, I did a live, I, you know, everybody in the comments was at, oh, what about Arbor Day? What about Valentine's Day? I'm like, you're, you're not getting that we're going for the, you know, <laughs> you know, those, those, those nights when the veils thin, you know, you know, the longest night of the year, the shortest day of the year, you know, the day, the day when everything's equal, you know, those are like, I guess they've been magical, mystical times of the year going back, you know, to the dawn of mankind. Valentine's day is not cutting it, you know, Arbor day. No, we're, we're not doing an Arbor day. <laughs> so Max wants to know, are you going to set the years for the scenarios? Are they specifically like 1922, 23? Or is that just like we're still in the twenties, generally speaking? It's it's going to be a little bit wiggly. There will be a year set, but please allow a little wiggle, um, because especially with the fiction book, we're tying in other characters, so some of the dates may not match up exactly. But we're we're you know so we're gonna be a little loose. Um, for example, in the Kingsport story, there's an appearance by Asenath Waite. Because in the mythology, Asenath Waite starts, spends a little time in Kingsport before she moves to Arkham. In the Dunwich story, one of the two Dunwich stories, that uh, the ones that's already turned in, you encounter a uh, young Wilbur Waitley before the night of the Dunwich horror. Um, when he's just, you know, a few years before that happens. Um, and, and my character and my uh, story, of course, takes place in Innsmouth before the, you know, before the, the Innsmouth raid. Um, and Zadok Allen appears in mine. So very briefly. Um, but it's a nice little gimmick we're doing. So they're, they're not we're not putting a pin in the calendar. Um, that way people can kind of uh, run them whenever they want them to or, you know, in whatever order they want them to. Okay. That's cool. Next said he ran them out of order, so. <laughs> well, you know, it was just the next Halloween then, you know. It, yeah, they, don't, yeah, they, yeah. Don't, they don't have to be, you can run these over like a two-year period. Um, I don't think any of the kids, their stats won't change until they hit 15, so you're fine. Right, right. Oh, that was really cool. I had to extrapolate backwards to come up with the formula for making 11 to 14, because the 7th edition starts the minimum age for a character is 15. So I just followed the progression and extrapolated back because once upon a time, they actually taught me to do that in school. <laughs> it, it's one of the few pieces of math I actually remembered and it, it came in handy this one time. <laughs> nice. Now you got the first stretch goal is already unlocked, which is going to be bonus art and <laughs> map. So that's cool. Yeah. We always like doing that. Um, who doesn't like art? Um, I love this is a joy as a publisher and an author to commission a piece of art and then just wait. It's like Christmas every time you open up a new sketch or a new final piece of art. Um, and we're the first ones to see it. 
Uh, no, Max, figure it out yourself. Uh, Max, <laughs> Max is asking, am I going to put the rules for making you? Yes, I, I can do a box text, and that's fine. <laughs> um, what the hell was I talking about? Stop doing that, Max. You... <laughs> um, Jesus, where was I? Uh, we were talking about extrapolating the things back, and then we were talking about new art. And Oh, new art. Um, love getting the new art. So this will allow us to commission more of it. Um, and if not more of it, you know, like maybe instead of doing this as a half page, we do it as a full page. Or if there's some really cool um, period photos <clears throat> that we've got to pay a licensing fee because they're copyrighted, we can pay the licensing fee and, and, and put it into the book. It gives the designer uh, more of a, a budget, you know, a discretionary budget now. Okay. And, you know, instead of breaking... You know, having one map with a blowout, maybe it'll be two maps. Um, so it just gives us a little bit of uh, more of a budget for that. Now, is there a potential to uh, have more short stories added to the collection or no? No, because there are only six kids. Oh, the whole, they are, yeah. The, the, yep. theme, the theme was each each child in each location. Right, but right. there is uh, Stretch Goal 2, which we're at this very moment only $100 away from funding. That will go to adding a title, half-page title art to every short story. So every short story will get a piece of art that'll be uh, prominent on the title page of that short story, which we've done. We've done in the cat book, uh, Tales of Tales of Terror with an eye, and uh, Heroes of Red Hook has title page art as well. So um, it's it's fun. I've always enjoyed uh, you know pictures with my <laughs> with my stories. Well, it's good. it makes the stories pop a little bit more. It's almost like, you know, getting a plate, you know, you flip it open and there's the art and then, you know, start oh, the story. That's, that's right. cool. And as an author, I can tell you, we totally nerd out when we see an illustration of one of our, <laughs> that, that of, of a scene that we wrote when you see it illustrated. Um, the RPGs nerd out, but the, the, the fiction people don't get that as much. So they really enjoy it. Um, so, you know, it's, it's fun for us. And uh, I think great, you know, a lot of fun for the car for the uh, the you know the consumers, the people who are picking this up. You know, it's a little something extra. No, definitely. Now, what's um, you know, I know uh, with Kickstarter, a lot of times you can't start a project before something is finished. So, so what is the state of all the other projects at Golden Goblin Press? We did a big push in the spring and we cleaned up and closed a lot of our Kickstarters that we just delivered the last, uh, the last little bits. The only Kickstarter that is overdue is the cat book. And we are struggling desperately to get that into, uh, into uh, layout and uh, into the, into the printer. It's currently the manuscripts currently with proofreaders it's in mid stages of layout. We've had a bunch of delays on there, but um, we're we're pushing hard to get that out. Lisa and I are working on the very last stretch goal for Cthulhu Invictus. Um, we hope to have that out in October, um, and then those two kickstarters will be done. You know that will digitally release the Tales of Terror and Valor, um, the the and the you know the RPG. And once those come back from the printer, we'll mail them out. We've already got the fiction book in-house, so we're just waiting for the RPG book to be done. And um, once those are out, uh, then Shadow, then uh, Inner Darkness hits the top burner, and we get all hands on that one. 
And that one's not going to be due until for, for several months. But the book's written, it is edited, and we have uh, sketch art approved for three of the six scenarios. We can start maps anytime. I'm just nervous about putting one more ball up in the air of keeping track of, you know, so many little aspects of little projects. So um, Inner Darkness isn't getting the love I wish we could give it. There just aren't enough of us um, doing certain things to be able to work on that while we're working on these other two. But um, once those other two are, you know, out the door, Inner Darkness will be the only thing outstanding. And the fiction book is already done, already. Uh, I think we may have already even released the PDF on that. I'm not 100% sure, but. Um, I didn't see anything come through, but. <laughs> well, that book's written. That that yeah. book is written um, and edited and all of that. So, um, no, I don't think we've done the. Uh, anyway, I'd have to check. doesn't matter. Uh, so, yeah, that's where we are. Um, we didn't have anything too terribly late. Um Keep going. I'm just throwing stuff up. You don't right. lose your train of thought. Um, <laughs> too late. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I've got no idea what I was saying. It's so distracting. Um, yeah, all hands on inner darkness. Oh, yeah. Get the other yeah the so, <clears throat> once the cat book is out, cat book is top priority right now. Side priority is... Um, the investigator, 21 invest pre-generated investigators for Cthulhu Invictus. And the reason we're able to work on both of those is because um, the same people aren't working on the same thing, you know? Right. Um, so I can split kind of that team up. Um, so once those two are done, everyone will be free to, to dive on top of... Uh, on top of inner darkness. And I'm actually going to be trying to recruit a few new people for a few new slots on the team, just so if someone's bogged down, we have a backup person. Uh, so we won't run into these kinds of, well, this project's not getting the love it needs because the people we need are working on that one, um, which we've done. We've done once before. We've been able to double up like now we have three editors working with us. Now we have three artists working with us. We have a new cartographer and another cartographer that may work on us, work with the Invictus projects because she is the biggest Cthulhu Invictus fan out there other than me. Uh, <laughs> nice. And she's a cartographer. So uh, uh, we're, we're probably going to be working. I don't want to name names, but... Uh, She'll probably be working with us on the Britannia and Beyond book next year, doing our maps for that. Very cool. I, I mean, I think I would like to think anyway, that, you know, people who are, you know, um, consumers of RPG stuff understand that, you know, when, once summer hits convention season starts and, you know, even though maybe a Kickstarter, you know, ended in February or it ended in November last year that, you know, like that stuff still blocks up a certain amount of time for the year when you hit, you know, August and September and, you know, maybe part of July that that takes up a certain amount of time and resources. Right. This has been my busiest con season ever. Um, I have not been to Gen Con in at least 10 years. I went this year. Um, well, you had to go this year. <laughs> well, I had to go. Well, I didn't have to go, but I, I, I was going. Um, yeah, that was a really great trip. Hard trip. 
as I am not as young or as in shape as I need to be for that level of, of, of convention. But, you know, we did win the Annie. So that was like the, you know, the what nerd doesn't dream of, of winning an Annie? You write your you write your first scenario on a piece of graph paper in a coffee shop and you're like one day, one day. Um, so, yeah, I had to go. I, dude, I sat on a bus for eight hours <laughs> yeah. to go to Cleveland to meet Jeff to drive four more hours, four and a half more hours to get to Indianapolis. And Jeff's like, oh, you know, you know, poor Oscar. He sat in a car with someone with Tourette's for four hours. I didn't even notice. We did carpool. <laughs> we did carpool karaoke. We, you know, chewed the fat the entire way. It was like just any two nerds on a road trip. Um, but no, I I bled to go to Gen Con, and uh, it was worth it. Definitely worth it. Um, and then I did uh, before that. I did Kineticon because I always do Kineticon. Um, my daughter would literally burn this house down if I did not take her there. <laughs> it is her favorite con of the year. She's an avid cosplayer. She did her first panel. She, my, my daughter, my six, my 16 year old daughter did her first panel and sold out the room. The room was packed. I was so proud. Yeah, that was awesome. Second proudest nerd moment in my 2019. Um, was my daughter selling out her anime um, cooking. It was an anime cooking. It was awesome. Um, and, you know, then came back, pretty much came back, turned around, caught my breath, unpacked, washed my clothes, packed, and went to Necronomicon. Yeah. Well, and I, I'm not even done. I've got one November 1st, 2nd, and 3rd uh, carnage in Vermont, which I absolutely love going to. And then my con year will be done. But, right, right. At least yeah, you can't work on a project while you're at the con. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, you you can promote, and a lot of you probably picked up some of these cards at those cons because oh boy, did I leave them everywhere. Yeah. Oh no, you have to. I mean, that's you know, and then you tweet a little bit more now, so that's good too for as as much as people pay attention. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to be better about that. Uh, for those of you who are saying, why don't I have an Instagram? Look, I can barely keep up with. Remember, I can, I barely remember we have a Twitter. Okay, um, we're 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 doing our best. Well, you you almost need to hire somebody for that. I mean, it's such, like I have dual for everything. So the, my Facebook and a Facebook page, my Instagram and the Instagram for the like it's it gets crazy after a yeah, while. There's only so much you can devote to that. Right. And there's only so much that, that people pay attention. You know, people just want to be offended on Twitter. So if you're like, hey, I'm doing this cool thing, either people are like, that's cool. And then like they don't say anything or then they get offended and they're like, blah. Oh, I don't even want to say anything. I'm gonna, all right. I'm going to say it. I'm going to knock on wood. My table's wood. I have not gotten into a flame war on Twitter yet. <laughs> I you're really trying hard. Well, because I, I just use it for marketing. I just talk about the projects and I preview some art and, um, you know, I, I, I try not to make statements on Twitter. Um, on the company page, I try not to make statements, which is ridiculous because a lot of our projects are, in fact, statements. Um, in and of themselves, yeah. Um, yeah, you don't put out a book called, you know, Heroes of Red Hook without making a political statement. But um, even on my personal Facebook, I, I, I try 
but it's not, you know. Well, that, you know, that I'm willing to fight you about. That's my personal Facebook stuff. So, and and it's not really worth it, right? Like you could. The most surreal thing for me at at, at uh, Necronomicon, we're we're out at the at the facade, and Vignazo is coming on. They're like jumping around and waving their tentacles all around and shit, and they've got the music like pumping in the background. And I'm sitting here with James Louder and another guy from uh, from England. I don't remember what his name was. It might have been Andy. I can't remember. Anyway, we're like in this deep political philosophical discussion with all this weirdness going on around us. Well, you can't do that on Twitter or Facebook, right? Like we're face to face and we can agree to disagree or we can agree and agree or whatever. But like it's it's a different thing when you're with someone and you can actually have a conversation and look at somebody in the eye and go, okay, I understand what you're saying, but, or yes, I completely agree with what you're saying. I can't believe that guy, whatever, you know, it's just, yeah. Social media is a nightmare for that kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm actually doing a lot better keeping it compartmentalized, you know, um, especially when you're writing and you're managing projects and you're assigning art, you want to keep your head in a nice positive place because, you know, your fans deserve your best work. And if you're phoning it in because you're just grinding up inside with, with anger over something on Twitter, they're not getting your best. You're just punishing yourself. So you know, I try and stay very stoic, very zen, you know, like, uh, you know, worry about what you can control. You know, you know, you know how you meant it. You know, mm-hmm. you know, you know where your heart is. And if people want to disagree, that's fine. You know, disagree. But I'm not going to let, you know, all of that turmoil out on the Internet. Um bring me down when I've got so much, uh, so many positive things that I'm working on. Right. And that's, so that's, that's not easy. Yeah. Well, yeah, it can be difficult. It was funny when, when I met Glancy at the room party and, uh, you know, Hey, you want to come on the show and this and that. And he's like, well, you can send me a Facebook request, but just remember just because you like the art doesn't mean you're going to like the man behind it. And I'm like, that's nah, fine. Like, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> He gives a little disclaimer when he's like, send me a Facebook invite, but just <laughs> be prepared. That is funny. So what else you got going on? What, what What's happening? Oh, so, so yeah, we, well, I just want to say a couple of really cool things about the, the project before we move on to the next one. Sure. Um, again, we, we've got this one backer level called best friends forever, where you actually get, I'll design a character with you and it'll be an additional playable character where you're one of the cousin's best friends. Oh, somebody jumped on that already. I thought, three yeah. people have three, three, nice. three people have. So um, Alice and uh, Gertie have best friends and their characters are kind of conceptualized and we've got art for one already. I, I threw it up today. Um, we're waiting to design the character with the third one. So three of those are gone already. But uh, which would be fun because now the characters, you know, God forbid one of the cousins dies, you've got some best friends that can step in. Um, so I, I hope nobody's killing eleven-year-old investigators. But once you sell the book, you know, it's do it. You know, it's not my. You know, it's your kid. It's your book after that. Um, I try and not have them be lethal because you know their kids but yeah. their kids growing up in lovecraft country so 
you know, they're, I guess, a little tougher than uh, kids in other towns. Um, so that's the one cool thing. We've got, you know, two additional scenarios and um, got one stretch goal that we're going to have the adult versions of the characters and another one where you get the pulp adult versions of the characters. We're going to do a pulp Cthulhu version of them. That's pretty uh, cool. Um, so if you guys like playing them as kids, you can bust them all out like 10 years later in the 30s and go punch some Nazis in a Zeppelin. In a Zeppelin. Right. <laughs> um or, you know, in your, your drill going to the center of the earth, um, whatever. Um, so, yeah, you know, we're we're doing well. Like, what else do I have going on? Um, well, I'll just say before you before you do that, that, that I mean, it says on the Kickstarter page, like the, the 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 scenarios are designed to be less lethal than like a typical Call of Cthulhu scenario where it's more of a investigative and, and you know, trying to figure things out. That puzzle, like, puzzle solving. Yeah, yeah, the kids are they're they're going to get scratched up. A lot of the there are there are you know, I mean there's a cornfield that's pretty creepy um, and dangerous that the kids end up crossing on Halloween night. Um, you know, there's some living corn and scarecrow thing, so the kids are not going to they're they're not going to uh, come through this unscathed. I'm not planning pools of blood, dead children <laughs> levels. Um, and the Christmas one, usually there's no combat. It's very rare that any combat happens in the in the Christmas one. Um, the, the Christmas one pretty much is a fun mystery that the kids literally get dragged into. And if they can figure out what's going on, they can literally, you know, sol- successfully solve the investigation and get the... Christmas miracle ending without ever rolling uh, a, a dice in anger without ever rolling a combat dice. Most groups won't do that. <laughs> Even as children, a lot of players are going to treat them as murder hobo children and they're going to be like, let's burn it all. But again, after you sell the book. Yeah. Yeah. Well, players got to players got to play. <laughs> um, I'm going to the, I think the, the, danger level may ramp up for the two new ones. Um, mm-hmm. Easter in Arkham, it involves pets coming back from the dead over Easter break. Okay. I mean, it's Easter. It's Arkham. You know, yeah. resurrection. A um, little bit of Pet Cemetery. A little bit of Stranger Things because, hey, Stranger Things is Call of Cthulhu with children. And um, what I'm most excited about is I did the research Bicycles started to be marketed towards children in the in the nineteen uh, teens. So by the twenties, a kids on bikes scenario is historically accurate. So Arkham will be written specifically as a kids on bikes Call of Cthulhu in Arkham. Nice. Uh, which again, <laughs> I was like, please let's make this stretch goal. I really want to write this one. <clears throat> and the other one is set in Innsmouth. And if you think you're going into a scenario in Innsmouth and not getting into some kind of a deadly situation, well, then you're not really up on the mythology now, are you? Because even even Alice, who lives in Innsmouth, Innsmouth can be a dangerous place. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that one's fun. They're going to be the kids are going to be trying to break into. Uh, great grandma Saunders abandoned mansion uh, to look for genealogy records 
uh, no hmm. less. Because for some reason, Alice's family doesn't want to let her have their her genealogy records. Weird. Right. <laughs> Alice is trying to join the Daughters of the American Revolution. And she's been told that there were lots of colonial pirates in her bloodline. <laughs> so if she can prove that some of her ancestors fought in the American Revolution, she can join this very prestigious you know, group. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a group of kids breaking into an abandoned mansion in, uh, in Innsmouth after they snuck away from a New England clam bake. Nice. <laughs> right off Devil's <laughs> Reef. <laughs> uh, That's cool. Yeah, that, that one. I'm really, really hoping we make both of those stretch goals. Um, and in, in a way, it's like if we don't, it's not as bad as if it was somebody else writing it. Because then you're like, oh, I'm sorry, dude. It's not going to fun. You're not going to write it. It's me, you know. Right. But it's still going to sting because I still want to really write it. And I may write it one day, but but I'm not publishing it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so share this on social media so everyone can enjoy these adventures. Right. And, you know, I've been thinking about writing them for 10 years. So if we don't fund, I may not get around to writing them for another 10 years. Knock on wood that I'm around. Um, in 2029. <clears throat> but well, this, we can always play test those. <laughs> yeah. But this this way, I'll have to write them and put them out. Absolutely. Did you, did you watch? Speaking of Stranger Things, did you watch this last season? Oh, oh yes, most definitely. Yeah. Okay. A lot of people were disappointed. I did like the three separate storylines. No spoilers. Um, I loved that their um, Mary Sue. Wasn't there Mary Sue anymore? No spoilers. Love the new characters, except the the, the complaining one. Hmm. Uh, no spoilers. Um, and again, uh, um, big fan. I've always been a big fan of the show. Yeah, I, I was. I was. Uh, I was surprised this year, to say the least. Just uh, just Justin with his imaginary girlfriend. Yeah. From science, from science camp, is every nerd kid I was and knew and hung out with um, in the eighties. Uh, We're killing Max. Max hasn't watched yet. Oh, I'm not. I'm not listening. Any spoilers? <laughs> I haven't. I have not. Yeah. No. It was. It was good. I, I enjoyed it. I'm. I'm glad the seeds coming back for a fourth season. Yeah, and that's going to be it. They said. Which is fine because I don't want to see these kids in the grunge era. Yeah, right. <laughs> Nobody wants to see that. You know what? They're all dirty and dreadlocks and flannel. Nobody needs to see Stranger Things in the '90s, Twilight Zone in the '90s, sure, but not Stranger Things. Yeah. So did you um, did you check out the Dark Crystal yet on Netflix or no? First episode. I have not gotten back to it. We 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 started watching it as a family and some of us fell asleep. <laughs> so now we're trying to watch it as a family, but my, you know, one of my kids doesn't live with me anymore. So he's here like every couple of weeks. Right. Um, so yeah, we're, we're definitely big. Oh my God. We're huge. Uh, dark crystal fans. We probably watch the dark crystal as a family once every other year. Um, it's like one of our, you know, we can quote it ridiculously. I haven't watched it in a while. Of course, you know, we're similar in age, uh, you know, grew up with that. It was, you know, amazing when it came out. So I, I was sitting the other night and I 
put it on. I started going through it and I watched like the first 15 minutes and I turned it off and I'm like, mm, maybe tonight's not the right night. I got to go back to it and try it again. Cause it didn't like, like visually it was cool. And I was just like, ah, this is not grabbing me the way that like, I think that it would. It's, it's going to be a slow build. Yeah. Um, the, I saw the first episode. It took a while to really grab. I mean, it doesn't really start to grab till the end. I can see that they're doing this. They're writing this as a series. So if you go in expecting the Dark Crystal, which was a re- immediately a lot right. of stuff happens. You know, I was thinking, oh, my God, a lot. And again, I was like, well, this is a little slow, which is probably why some of us fell asleep. Right. Um <laughs> But yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely planning to go back and watch it. Okay, I'll, I'll definitely have to give it another go around. I certainly want to. I mean, visually, like I said, it, it looks stunning, and from from all accounts, it, it's really good. So hey, I'll watch anything with Chamberlain in it. Yeah, yeah. I, I was waiting for that. Oh, yeah. You only got like a little bit in the first, like you know, as, as I hate your whippa. Yes, <laughs> we're like I said, we're big Dark Crystal fans in this house. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. All right. Um, so, yes, we, we will be getting a map of Uncle Silas's farm and the farmhouse. Um, you'll be... Hmm, I, I Without giving away spoilers, I don't know how many maps are going to be in the Kingsport portion because a lot of that, the kids are just wandering the streets of Kingsport. Um, and the other places, you know, are, are unmappable. Not to give any spoilers. Um, yeah, Arkham's definitely going to have some maps. And the Innsmouth one is, well, that's probably going to be a two-page map of the haunted Innsmouth mansion. Oh, very cool. That's nice. And when is, um, when do you expect to deliver on this one? I had the Kickstarter page up here. Uh, I have it too. Where is June Next year. Yes, yes. Because again, we're we're really hoping that it's going to be four scenarios, and two of them are not written, and the other two need to be rewritten. Um, and even at my best, it's going to take me about six weeks to, um, you know, from soup to nuts to really crank out a, a decent size scenario. I can do one quicker, but it's not not for this level, you know. Sure. So just writing, it'll be a couple of months to get at least, you know two and a half, three months of writing to get those two scenarios done to the level I want them to be. Um, and then, you know, it takes longer to edit a four scenario book and all, you know, all of that. Right. What about the house in Christmasy? Um, probably, but the kids really aren't allowed to explore the house in Kingsport because it's stuffy. Their stuffy great aunt's house, great aunt Norma, I believe. Remember that, they're, she's of the generation that kids are supposed to be hurt, seen and not heard. Mm-hmm. I'm not giving away any spoilers. Well, these have been around for a while. I don't know. Well, yeah, I guess not everybody's played them, right? But again, they're they're going to be different. There's a lot more going on now. I'm I'm expanding them by already the the Kingsport one is already probably about two thousand words longer, and the the kids haven't even gotten to the hayride yet. They've literally just got to the farm. Cool. So Shoggoth.net does their October Nomicon. Right. And uh, 
So we're, you know, we're big, I'm huge friends with uh, Matt, have been for years. Um, so I always like to support Octobernomicon. Um, Shigoth.net is one of those sites where I was a fanboy downloading free monsters before I was even writing. So to actually have stuff on Shigoth.net now is pretty, you know, it's pretty much a full circle nerd moment for me. Um, so yeah, every October they do October Nomicon, which is a free monster every day. And I try and contribute. Um, so this year I found out he was a little bit short and I wrote some other monsters and it turned out we had, I had written a lot of, uh, a lot of Cthulhu, Cthulhu Invictus monsters for it. And Jeff had written a big Cthulhu Invictus monster thing. I can't even get it. It's supposed to be very detailed. I haven't read it yet, but it turned out we had, we had seven new Cthulhu Invictus entries. So I asked if we could do them as one full week, um, like a week of Cthulhu Invictus monsters for October Nomicon. And he goes, cool, which week? And I'm like, well, the week that has the 15th in it, because then we could call it the Ides of October Nomicon. Um, so yeah, we will be doing the Ides of October Nomicon with seven uh, new Cthulhu Invictus creatures. One of them people may have seen already. It's the the uh, the uh, I'm going to get this wrong. The Nemean lion. The, the Nemean lion um, that we had as a free giveaway on our website a few months back. All the other ones are are brand new. And for those who listen to Miskatonic University podcast, where I do my glimpses in the Empire, yes, I have statted out the flying serpents of Arabia and the man-eating ants of India. That's awesome. <laughs> and those segments are amazing. So, like, the, the podcasting part is new for you, but you've, like, really picked it up. You've got the sound effects going, the music in the background. Like, they're tight. Um, yeah, I've that's that's all chad for a long time <laughs> chad was doing all of my editing and my sound effects and there was only there was a finite limit on his kindness for helping me with this <laughs> so for season three he was like look the help i'm going to give you is teaching you how to do this i will be here to help you but you've got to start learning how to mix and cut and insert sound effects um and i'm not that good at it yet but it's a lot of fun. Um, it's you can really be goofy. Um, so for most of season three, I've ed I've done the editing and the sound effects for them. Yeah, they, well, they, they, I mean, there's no drop off from from Chad doing it. They sound really good. Well, thanks, thanks. We're almost done. Uh, I recorded the fifth one, and I've got one more to do, and that'll be it. That'll be season three, and I'll take about you know three or four months off. I, I try and do one, you know, every other season. I was late this year. I was supposed to do spring and it was late summer before I started doing them. Uh, we were trying to push some, uh, you know, so many things out the door. Right. <clears throat> There's only so much, you know, you can spread that butter on that toast. Mm -hmm. How long does it take you to put together an episode? Oh boy. Um, <laughs> longer than I'm, you know, longer than I'm comfortable saying because I'm just such a neophyte of it. It's like baby's first video, you know, baby's first audio editing. Um, I've gotten better at recording. 
Like I can do my voiceover now and literally one third of the time it used to take me, but then, you know, cutting and trimming and silencing and adding effects and trying to get the, so the music to come on dramatically and then work on this. That's all agonizing. Um, I think the last one probably took me about four hours, four or five hours to, to put together for a five minutes for a five minute production yeah but you know i was really happy with it i had like sound effects of a murder and some you know some animal sounds and writing them and recording them is is pretty pretty standard that's kind of i've been doing that for a while the the editing stuff is where it all grinds to a halt and i'm second guessing myself and just crawling um maybe season four will be easier we'll see yeah knock, <laughs> knock on wood that i'm here in five months <laughs> yeah effects are a real bugger i i uh i was editing on friday and i got about 17 minutes of audio done in about an hour and a half and i'm like you know what i'm going to the gym <laughs> like <laughs> yeah i need to get up and get out of here for a while <laughs> So yeah, I've got another one dropping next episode on uh, on that podcast. We're we're eventually hoping when we we redo the website, we're going to have all of those episodes available through uh, Golden Goblin Press just as a free download on the uh, Cthulhu Invictus section. But we're not there yet. That's a 2020 plan. Okay, uh, that's cool. But yeah, I, I do enjoy doing the segment. Nice. And you keep thinking, oh, I can't possibly find any more weird stuff to talk about. Yeah, and you just keep finding weird Roman stuff to talk about. Uh, you don't have to dig too far into Roman history to find really weird, kooky, um, kooky stuff. And I'm assuming most of the segments have their their basis on on actual history, right? Whether or not the thing occurred the way it did, like giant man eating ants, obviously, but like the stories that were reported, right? So you you get to learn a little bit about well, it's a history segment. Every yeah. single thing I talk about in glimpses into the empire is not me being a creative writer it's me creatively giving you information that has been recorded historically through legends or historical sources uh i mean herodicus made most of this stuff up for this season um i'm just repeating what he said um the the ghost story one in athens that's an actual that's on a letter that cicero wrote to one of his friends so no, I've never made up anything for glimpses in the empire. Um, nice. That's why I keep thinking, oh, I'm going to run out. <laughs> Not happening anytime soon. <laughs> so yeah, we've got Ides of Nec- Ides of I- Ides of October Nomicon. So whole bunch of new uh, Cthulhu Invictus monsters. Some have were created for adventures that are not published yet. Um. Some are brand new, cre- you know, written up just for this. Uh, so that'll be fun. Cool. And we got uh, another question from uh, from Max. There plans past uh, Britannica book and any farther plans out? Uh, we are starting to put the pot on to boil our next regional 1920s collection, uh, uh, Tales of the Pacific. Um, we've got authors who've written for it. We've got authors who are writing for it. We've got a cover. 
Um, so it's looking like if all goes well, that will be a late 2020 Kickstarter with our early 2020 Kickstarter. And by early, I mean, you know, March, uh, probably March will be Britannia and beyond. We're expecting that manuscript back from Stuart Boone in December. Cool. And what's great about that is I didn't have to write it. And, <laughs> and the best person to write it is writing it. I mean, he's any award winner. He lives in that part of the world. He's written, you know, written in that part of the world. So, you know, definitely he was on the top of my wish list for that project. And he sat down for the chair, which I'm just thrilled. A few setbacks. It's gotten kicked back a couple of times. It's a little later than we'd like, but, you know, we keep busy. Um, okay, it'll, cool. it'll, it'll happen when it happens. And it looks like it's happening soon. Nice. I, I remember when he was on the uh, the MU podcast talking about it, saying that you guys were talking about putting things together and that he was going to be working on the book. So that's cool. Yeah, his life got really busy. Yeah, yeah. Do you have any other Kickstarters planned for next year? Oh, you said the 1920s collection. Yeah, the secrets of the Paci the secrets. Let me stop saying yeah. it. Tales of the Pacific <laughs> and Britannia and Beyond are the ones we are most planning to do. Other things may crop up. Um, there's lots of little things we could do that I would love to do. Um, things that are mostly written that we could turn around pretty quickly. Um, there's two of my older scenarios that uh, I've hinted at as possibly being parts of other Kickstarters that didn't. Uh, so Mystery of April Snow and uh, A Haunting in Kingsport, which people were really upset that we didn't get to. For the cold warning book, that's still floating in the ether. Um, there's a massive campaign that we toy about doing, and you know, we'd say, "Hey, who's available?" and everybody says no, and then we put it off for another three months, and you know. But uh, you know, there'll, there'll always be something, uh, as long as you know, as long as we're standing as a company, we'll always be working on something and have a few projects in mind, and in you know, coming down the pipe. Sure. Uh, and then Max was asking, um, and I answered in the chat, so as far as um, the Ninth Legion for your um, glimpses into the Empire, any uh, chance that we'll see something about that? No. Okay. <laughs> and, I will, I, and I will tell you why. Because nobody really knows what happened. Fair. Um, it's hard for me to keep this as a historical piece and not fall into conjecture when the history itself is conjecture. Right. Um, I would love to do something about the fire that destroyed the great library of Alexander, but guess what? No two ancient historians can agree when that fire happened, who started it, what year. And when I say differences in opinion, it's like hundreds of years. Literally, it's like not it's like not even decades. It's like different centuries. So they think, well, maybe it was several fires. And I'm like, I, I can't write about that. It's <laughs> it's too all over the place. Um, right. So, yeah, I've got to be careful that I can back it up. Historically, and um, and it's got to be kooky. It's got to have a kind of Cthulhu magic mystery feel to it. Um, I don't want to go too, too heavy and just make it a history segment because it's, it's a fan segment on a horror 
gaming podcast. Sure. So it has to have kind of like a, a horror fantasy aspect to the history. And it's got to be something that I think people can make gameable. Um, so, you know, I'm not going to get too heavy uh, in like, you know, do you know, talk about all the people Nero killed and why it's just, you know, uh, you want to keep it fun. You know, to keep it game also, you know, sure. Sure. We'll, we'll talk about the, you know, the general that had a, a, a white deer follow him around that he said was his, his, his conduit to the goddess Diana, who was giving him information about troop movements, which is actually in our upcoming episode. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> um, if you think I'm making this stuff up, I am not. It is all this kooky Roman stuff is out there. I'm just, you know, I'm just bringing it forward. Yeah. Well, it made sense at the time, right? I mean, it's, it's a different, you know, it's a different time. It's a different, uh, you know, different mindset. So, like, you know, stuff like that makes sense, you know, in the moment that you're in. It sounds goofy now, but. I, I have to say that I'm just kind of realizing that one of the reasons I probably like Cthulhu Invictus so much is that the Romans were an incredibly superstitious people. I mean, they were advanced. They had good, you know, they had good roads and engineering and, you know, cement that could dry in water and, you know, central, a huge central government that ran effectively, you know, more or less um, for hundreds of years. But again, they had like, you know, state sanctioned magical rituals that needed to be conducted or the whole empire was going to, you know, incur the wrath of the gods. And, you know, there was laws on the books about witchcraft and cursing people. You know, everybody wore magical amulets and talismans to protect them. So these were an extremely superstitious people. And as a Hispanic, <laughs> I can sympathize with the level of, of superstition behind their very modern mindset. You know, they're a modern cosmopolitan people, but you better have an amber amulet before you go to this dinner party or someone's going to poison you. You know, um, they believed it. And, you know, and even if they say they didn't believe it, they still wore the amber amulet you know they 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 may have paid lip service but they made sure they paid lip service yeah so yeah i've got uh this going on and then the con in november and then i like to uh shutter things down in december if i can um i usually don't i always say that and i still keep writing and i still keep working i just don't do it as intensively as i usually do but yeah, I'm looking forward to, you know, this Kickstarter ending as successfully as I can make it, doing my last con, uh, which I, I do enjoy. It's a, a very fun con for me. Running two uh, Cthulhu Invictus that I haven't run at cons before, so it'll be fun. Um, and by then, we'll have the final edited, you know, pre-gen characters, so it'll be all shiny and and not have the spelling errors of the ones I've been using for all these years. Um, and then, you know, just easing in to write whatever new scenarios I have to write for this one and uh, moving forward, you know, to, oh, and, you know, end of year, I get the, I'll be the first person to read Britannia and beyond. Ah, nice. There you eat, go. Eat, eat your heart out, everyone. Uh, <laughs> 
Um, but I, uh, as as a fan, I'm looking forward to seeing what Stewart is is doing with that. Right, and we, and we'll see if Stewart has anything to say about the missing ninth legion. There you go. Did uh, so? Did you you ran um, uh, Cthulhu Invictus at Necronomicon? But you also ran a scenario from uh, Inner Darkness as well, right? Yes, I ran uh, my scenario, A Family Way, which was a private game for high level backers. Um, I think the the best comment I got was. I know you said this was going to be a very dark scenario, but don't take this the wrong way. I feel like I need a shower after this. Yeah. Um, it's a very dark scenario. It's dark because the issues it deals with are real and dark. Um, another comment was this is a horror scenario before you even add any of the mythos to it. So it's, it's, it's definitely the darkest thing um, I've ever written. Uh, or tied for the darkest thing. Um, I've got one scenario where everyone's a Japanese soldier on an island garrison in 1945 uh, with the Americans about to land. That one's pretty dark too, but yeah, I think we talked about that. Neither here nor there. Um, So that one went really well. They did not succeed. Um, It was not quite a TPK. It was one of those technical TPKs where there were enough dead and critically injured that they decided to go to the hospital instead of going to the ending. <laughs> instead of the ending, uh, and they were fine with that. Um, they had a a, a very brutal, uh, bloody, sudden, unexpected ending. Um, all open dice rolls, no punches pulled. It's it's Necronomicon, right? Um, so it was all open dice rolls. And you know when those O threes come out, when those ninety eights come out on sanity rolls, um, and the whole thing just goes, you know, <laughs> pear shape real fast. Yeah, it went pear shape real fast. Um, <laughs> you had the best armed person fail their sand check and pass out. Oh, jeez! <laughs> the, the one person with the long gun failed the sand check and passed out. And by the time they came through, they, they came to, you know, the scenario was over. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but again, everybody was like, no, it's Call of Cthulhu. You know, we, we you know, we, we got slaughtered. And there you go. So brutal, absolutely brutal game from the get-go. But uh, a great game, uh, a really great game. And I ran the Cthulhu one, uh, my Dark Ages Paris one, and that again seems silly until you're playing a cat in Paris during <laughs> during a witch hysteria, and you just see people within five minutes they push all their chips in, and they, <laughs> they get completely emotionally invested, and I'm completely emotionally invested, and it's it's ridiculous. It's like you're playing cats, but for some reason, the Lord knows why it works so well. Well, I, I think a lot of us are cat people, right? I mean, a lot of us are cat people, yes, or, or animal people by extension too, right? I mean, I know Max right. has got that. So, um, best line yeah. for that game was they were overhearing something a human said, and one of the cats said, "Well, what do you think about what she said?" And he said, "Well, I, whatever. We're going to do whatever cats usually do when a human says something." We're going to ignore her. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which was the most cat thing that was said at the table. And I was like, oh, I wish you could 
give bonus experience points to Call of Cthulhu because <laughs> that was just great. And then he pushed all his dice off the table. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we had one ridiculous argument that they were doing their French cats in a French accent. Oh, and I said, you know, you wouldn't have a French accent. You would just be speaking French. And they said, <laughs> you know, we're cats. So technically, we shouldn't be speaking at all. And I said, touche. <laughs> and, and we moved on. But it was just like levels of ridiculous being pulled back as we're having this conversation that seemed really, really important at the moment. You're right. <laughs> but uh, absolutely just uh, yeah, as fun as a barrel of monkeys. I, I cannot wait for this book to come out. <laughs> we got the first proofreaders comment back the other day, and they really enjoyed it. So I'm really looking forward to getting this out. Cool. That's cool. I, are you watching um, – did, did, did you watch either last season of The Terror or are you caught up on this season? Oh, my goodness. We just caught up on two episodes on DVR before the show. So we are now caught up. I am really enjoying it. I love uh, Japanese ghost folklore. Mm -hmm. Me um, too. And Asian, forget a Asian, because Chinese, that whole, they have a great uh, ghost mythology. Scary uh, as shit. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. It is, it is frightening in a way that Western ghosts just can't hold a candle to. Yeah, yeah, I, I've, I, and you know, and I feel kind of bad to say that I'm enjoying it because I'm enjoying it as a piece of fiction. But when you, when it's based on, oh, it's, you know, it's historically what's happened, it's like oh, I like this, but I kind of like, ugh, you know, it's it's an ugly part of our history. Yeah, yeah, and it, and let's be honest, it's a part of our history that's being repeated right now. So yeah, yeah, yeah. and it, and and they get you right away, right? Because like, oh, right. You yeah, because you because you could sit back in in 2019 and go, well, you know, like I kind of understand of the you know this and that and whatever, and we were at war and what like, and it's easy to make that justification, but when you start the the series and they're you know on um, Terminal Island or whatever, and they're you know they're going about their business and you get invested in the characters and like oh, I like this guy, he's pretty cool, blah blah, blah. And boom, now now you're in a you know in a terminal, you're in a camp, yeah, yeah. wow, fuck, that's shit you know? I, i'm sure that living through it was exactly as shocking if, yeah, or sure. worse yeah. because yeah. i mean again it was out of in in the show it's out of it seems overreacted out of nowhere immediate um and i'm sure in in for that group it, it must have felt that way as well um but I, I love that george takei is 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 heavily involved and that he has a personal history in these camps yeah, so you yeah. know you're getting you're getting an act an accurate portrayal. You know you're not getting third hand history. You're getting someone's living experience, mm -hmm. uh, which again I I I'm so happy it's being captured in this medium almost as a a, a record, you know, a testimony of of what his experience in these camps was. Yeah, and and they seem to be doing it justice, and that you know they're not skirting it and they're showing it for. For what it is, which, you know, you, you have to appreciate as someone who, um, you know, I don't want to say studies history necessarily, but, you know, is, is, enjoys history. That sounds stupid, too, but you know what I mean? No, no. Yeah, I'm a definite student of history. There you go. 
the wordsmith comes through. <laughs> uh, I, I write. <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind a of, lot. It's it's kind of one of the only things I'm good at. But there you go. Because we know it's not singing. <laughs> and and yeah, for those of you who've seen me on you know Cthulhu Karaoke uh, on Facebook, uh, I do have a good time. Uh, but yeah, I'm not going See, on American Idol anytime soon. I don't know if I if I included a link to uh, to the Facebook. So yeah, if you guys want to see the um, Cthulhu karaoke, you got to hit up Oscar on Facebook. There's bunches of videos. Oh my posts. Yeah, there's me doing Roxanne in Sting's voice. Nice. Which is not mine. It's kind of like I I have a I have a shot and I just try and hit that octave as long as I can. <laughs> Uh, it's more like Eddie Murphy in uh, trading in a for in forty eight hours doing Roxanne, <laughs> um, but I think the ones that were recorded are me doing Roxanne and uh, Come Sail Away, which nice. again, you know, and and of course I did Sweet Caroline. Um, I, I've got to go for the cheesy karaoke classics. Yeah. And then that's become like a staple now the last couple of years. It started as in in the very first new one when I challenged Mike Mason and Chaosium to a karaoke battle. And it's happened every day, every Necronomicon <laughs> ever. And this time it was just, I wasn't at the last Necronomicon, but they did karaoke. And this time it was literally the enti- almost the entire karaoke bar were Necronomicon people. Um, and just had an absolute blast. Some people had no business in that bar. I mean, just, <laughs> I, mean I, you know, I'm not great, but when I pick a song, I kind of sort of know the lyrics and, it, right. and at least the flow and rhythm of the melody. There are people who are like, they just at random. And I'm like, <laughs> what is, oh my God. Um, but yeah, just absolute, I will not miss it. I, I, I rescheduled a game so I could do karaoke. Nice. Um, I ran a nine, an 8am game or 9am game just so I would be free in the evening for karaoke. Right. I'll have to try to catch it next time. I think, um, Pete's trivia was, was counter to, to that. And, uh, Todd was doing his, uh, drunk Lovecraft history thing, so I was kind of committed. I heard already. there was there was that's the the worst thing about about Necronomicon. There's five really cool things that you want to do, and they're all at this almost always at the same time. There's like yeah. if you if you really want to do something, you look on. There's something else you really want to do at exactly the same time. So you really have to pick and choose. Yep. Yeah, that that's I I never schedule any gaming because it's such a huge commitment. Even if you do just one game, you're looking at somewhere between four and six hours. Yeah. And it's just such a huge chunk of time. I'm like, I can't, I can't, I can't do it. <laughs> you know, so many other things to do. Yeah, well, if you're if you're promoting a book, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you kind of have to so you kind of sort of have to run a game. Right. Um, yeah, I but you know I go to work. I mean I'm I'm working at Necronomicon. Yeah, no, I mean I, it is a vacation. I let me not say I go to work because boy I've I ate some nachos. I had a few I had a few tropical drinks, 
Um, <laughs> and I did a lot of karaoke. So I hung out with my friends and did all the great vacation stuff. But I, you know, did a lot of programming as well. You know, I ran 12 hours of games in three days. Yeah. Well, it, it's a, I mean, it's not as much of a hustles, you know, like Origins or Gen Con or something like that. But, you know, still, there, there's some level of like, hey, I got to like, promote and and do some work and press the flash and like do because you know because there are people that are coming from outside the industry that are coming as fan like strictly as fans of of the films or the the rpgs or whatever so you know you you kind of have to give those people time to you know to be able to interact and say hey i i really like when you did this or like you know maybe i didn't like that or maybe i you know like your book was late and i you know i was trying to whatever you know but as a fan i totally get it like if i went as just a fan i would pick one of my favorite authors i would look if they were running a game and i would be on my with my hand over the keyboard <laughs> waiting for registration and i'm like Oh f yeah! I am playing Delta Green with Scott Glancy, you know, right. or you know, I'm I'm whatever, you know. Th- there's lots of authors that I would love to play their material with them, especially if it's unpublished, if it's not yet out. Mm-hmm. I mean, as a as a Cthulhu nerd, I would love to do that. And then I'm on the other side of that mirror. I am the guy that there are, you know, I had the, you know, I had the Into the Darkness crew buy out my entire cat game and yeah. they play they and that's what they do they play <laughs> call of cthulhu all the time and they were like oh we're we're playing with you yeah. and i'm like okay no pressure <laughs> and really it was it was no pressure they they play call of cthulhu at the level that i write it and run it you know we're all okay none of us are screwing around all of us have made this a priority in our life so let's get to it. And then it was amazing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you have to, when it, when it eats up that much time while you're there, like you gotta be in it to win it, so to speak. Right. Cause right. It, it, it's in such a, such a huge commitment. That's, and, and that's sort of like the weird thing for me, like when we go, you know, because I know all you guys, I, I, I wouldn't register for games with you guys because if someone's coming in from somewhere and this is their opportunity to try to get into a game, for me, it feels unfair for me to do that because right. like, you know, one of the, it might've been the first thing you said to me other than like, Hey, I've been trying to make my way across the room to come and see you. When are we playing again? Right. You know? So it's like, I, yeah, I'm not going to like schedule a game because, because you, know, you and that, I, you can, I can go on the computer and schedule a game, whether it's recorded or not, and just screw around. Yeah. Cause you yeah, know, yeah. we're both open to that. Yeah. 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 Which is, which is, is cool, you know? So like, I, like, it, you know, I feel like it's kind of a responsibility to like not schedule games, you know? Right. Right. I don't know. It's just a weird, <laughs> it puts you in a weird place having a podcast to be like, well, maybe I shouldn't do that. <laughs> well, I, you know, it's, it's considerate to the people who are just fans, you know, who aren't industry, who will never, you know, I will, you know, who, well, let me not, let me not say never because, you know, if a fan stalked me on the internet and said, Hey, um, we'd really love to have a game with you. And I'm like, well, you know, this is my address. Order me some dominoes <laughs> um, for the, for the pretty much for the price of a Domino's pizza. I might be willing to run a game for you and your friends online. <laughs> and, and it's not because I like Domino's pizza that much. You know, I just, I like playing. 
So like, let me not say there's, there's no way a fan would ever, but yeah, you know, it's at, a con, at a con, yeah. that's, you get into your registration. I'm going to give you the best possible game I can give you at the highest possible level. The table will support. Yeah. Yeah. Cause sometimes you sit down and there's a guy with his 14 year old daughter who's never played call of Cthulhu before. And you're like, okay, maybe we're going to, ratchet back just <laughs> just a little bit we're going to be a little less graphic in our description of the dead murdered children in the cornfield um not by much because it's still calling cthulhu but yeah. we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna soften this a bit but when you go to a a, a, a con a, a gaming con like for that you know they don't do anime and they don't do movie previews and they don't have uh, a talent show when it's a you know dice on the table cheetos mountain dew gaming con um like carnage or you know you know these people are there to game and you're like okay we're gonna we're pulling all the stops and we're just gonna go crazy with this Um, and again necronomicon has everything but the gaming the gamers there are at that level they are like we are here you know we have 10 other things we could be doing but we're doing this and when players honor you with that level of commitment you better damn well be rested sober shaved with deodorant with you know pre-gens ready to go to give them the best possible game Mm mm-hmm yeah, especially when they're they're committed to coming at you know eight or nine in the morning. That that's a huge. That's, like, what, I, that's why I run at eight or nine in the morning. <laughs> I, I I almost only run morning games. One, I'm a morning person, as anyone who is on Facebook will see. A lot of a lot of my posts are like five a.m. So I've laid down twelve hundred words already, and like, what the hell is wrong with me? Um, no, I'm a morning person, and anyone crazy enough to game with me at that early in the morning is the kind of players I want. And that tradition started for me when I was a player and I signed up for a Sunday morning second edition D&D game uh, setting, uh, set in the Dragonlance universe. And the keeper showed up and we were all there Sunday morning and we just rocked out this material that was just absolutely bonkers, crazy, stupid. We were all Kender, and the and, and all of the challenges were based on uh, Grimm's fairy tales. Hmm, cool. And it was just such an amazing experience, and everyone who showed up was there to play. Right. And the right. guy running the game was there to play. So I remember it with with great fondness. For that reason and one other. Um, the one other was it was the first time I drank coffee. Oh, jeez. <laughs> because it was Sunday morning and the keeper who was older than me, I was a teenager, got a couple of pots of black coffee for the table. Um, hmm. So it was the first time I drank coffee. Um, and it was the first you know the first sunday morning game that i was really with players at a extremely high level and i never forgot that and often if you play with me on a sunday morning i will try and have coffee for the table i had coffee for the table at necronomicon on sunday 
and for the con staff because those people don't get thanked enough. Um, the uh, the people who organized the uh, gaming at Necronomicon were just amazing. Yeah, Jesse and her husband. Oh, just uh, absolutely. I think. Yeah, top notch. I'm really hoping they'll be back next year. No, well, in 2021. Yeah, they've been doing it for the last couple of years for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's cool. I, I, uh, I, I've, I've, I've had mixed results in con gaming, and it's, and it's not. Like we we play like a real specific RP heavy kind of thing. No matter what we're playing here, I mean, we go whole sessions and don't roll dice. So mm-hmm. like, you, my expectation is different. So like, I've, I've had you know mixed bag results. But uh, I'm going to a con here, um, beginning of October, I think it is. It's RainCon, is our local gaming convention here in um, in Tucson. It's really great con. It's small. It's you know five, six, seven hundred people, something like that. And I'm signed up on Sunday, the last day, for a six-hour alien RPG uh, adventure. I guess it's probably the one in the book. And I haven't read through it yet, so. I'm like, cool, I want to give this game a go because I'm really excited to give it. And I'm like, it's six hours and it runs past like, you know, oh, the convention man. ends I at really, like three or four. You know, but- I, I, I hate to say it, but if you were telling me the story after it happened, I'm almost expecting you to end the story by, and the fucker didn't show. <laughs> No, that's Max's story. He signed I, up for he just said that. And you're like so <laughs> pumped for this Sunday game and you're like, Oh my God. It's like, I really hope this guy shows up now. I hope I didn't jinx you, but yeah, that's the worst. That's the worst part about Sunday gaming is that if it's a drinking con, there's an odd chance that someone will have been overserved and not make their Sunday morning game. Um, I, I would say that it is, but it's not like at Necro. Like I spent more money on food and alcohol at Necronomicon than, than anything. And I don't feel like Rincon is that same way. I mean, you know, I'm sure people drink. I mean, it's whatever, but but not like like we all go out together. Where mm. Rincon is like we're here to game and we're just here gaming. You know, right, right. Oh, As opposed depends, to, it depends on a lot of stuff. If it's yeah. if you know if it's in a hotel with a hotel bar, yeah, there's going to be less drinking because those drinks are way experience uh, expensive. Mm. If there's if it's in a hotel where there's a lot of room parties and open tables well that's a whole nother yeah. matter if, you, if you're at, if you're at a con where you see people rolling coolers in with their luggage <laughs> you might be at a drinking con yeah. I'm, lo- I'm looking at you total con it's 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 not a bad thing it's just a thing right right yeah i don't i because it's close enough for me to drive so i don't stay up in tucson because i don't want to spend the extra money oh then you're but not getting tanked because you're driving back I'm and not. forth yeah it, it's you know it's a 50 minute drive back and forth and like you know i've been there playing games up till midnight and i'm like fuck i gotta drive home oh now my, and get that's rough that's and be rough. back at nine in the morning for a game <laughs> oh what is that like five hours sleep you by the time they get home that, the shower yeah yeah, it's it's rough. <laughs> that is that is rough. It's but not, I'll be doing it. It's not sleep in your car rough, and it may not be a hundred twenty five dollar room rough. It may be worth it. Yeah. Well, I wonder sometimes. I'm like, should I just like book the room and stay? Because like, I don't know if it was last year or the year before John Wick he comes up because he's here in Arizona or comes down, I should say. 
And he's like, hey, I'm doing this wrestling RPG tonight at about midnight. Are you going to stay? And I'm like, it's starting at midnight. (laughs) Fuck, John. I mean, like, I kind of want to stay, but like, I gotta, I don't want to be up for 48 hours. Right. That's, that's ending at like 3.34 in the morning. Yeah. I I didn't stay and I felt kind of bad. Like I should have stayed, but I'm like, fuck. Dude, we're, we're not young guys anymore. (laughs) That would have been tough in our early thirties. Well, I, on my way home from Necro, right. So we went out, uh, yeah, we were out late every night. But um, I stayed through till Monday. Well, Sunday night we went to the Dunwich Horror Picture Show, and then um, I heard that was fun. It was okay. I mean, okay. I did it. it was, uh, whatever. I mean, <laughs> okay. okay. I, um, I I spoke to someone who enjoyed it a lot more than you. But yeah, okay. I, it it was an experience. I'm glad I went and did it. But it, would I, you do it next year? Probably not. Probably do it, yeah. no. But it was cool on the way, right? So, so I already lost my train of thought. So we're on the way out, right? So t- speaking of the thing about you and Pete, and you guys hadn't met. Well, we're walking with Pete, and I'm and I'm walking with Scott Dorward, and we're talking, and we stop at a light to cross, and he turns around and he's like, Hey Peter, you 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 sent me some stuff on so you know I was researching blah blah blah. And he's like, Oh yeah, like they'd never met in person because you know he's in England. I'm like, how is that gonna happen? And I'm like, this is just like the best con ever. <laughs> I know, I know, it is. So it, it was cool is. on a variety of reasons, but the, but the show itself was whatever. So so we get back and I went back to to Pete's room with him and Sal. So I was there for a little bit, and then Vince was waiting for me over at the at the hotel bar. So we went over there, and we, and we were up at the bar drinking for a little bit. So you know, finally make it back up to the room, and it's like I don't know, like two o'clock. And I'm like, shit, I got to get a shower. So, you know, like we're bullshitting and whatever. Now it's like three o'clock. I'm like, fuck, dude, we got to get up in two hours to get me to the airport or, or an hour and a half or whatever. And I was like, I'm like fuck, I'm just going to stay up, I guess. So, you know, we kind of crashed for like a half an hour, kind of like took a wicked cat nap. I was up for like 38, 39 hours because then I got home almost before I left because of the time change. Mm-hmm. And then I just stayed up until that night. <laughs> I was like, well, fuck, what am I going to do now? That is, well, at least you weren't jet lagged because you forced yourself to stay up. Yeah, it was it was rough. I was really tired come Monday night. <laughs> yeah, the, the con I'm, I'm going to this in November uh, early November. It's the same way. It's like I'm running a Sunday morning and that's like a four and a half hour ride back. And yeah. last year I convinced my wife to take Monday off. So we actually drove halfway back and found a little, a little hole in the wall, uh, romantic place near somewhere that had fondue. Oh, there you go. In, in the Catskills uh, in upstate New York. So we just drove halfway there, pulled in, had a romantic evening together, woke up Monday morning, farted around, you know, had breakfast, whatever, leisurely drive back, pulled in middle of the day Monday, like no Monday, you know, no Sunday night, no Sunday night traffic fighting your way back into Manhattan, you know, Mm -hmm. into, into New York, in urban New York. So sometimes like that, that extending the day. It's just so much better, but you can, I mean, we couldn't really afford to do that time-wise and money-wise, but sometimes it's just better not to have to travel all the way back on the, the Sunday after the con. 
Well, at Necro, it's almost impossible, right? So for me to come back, there's one flight out of TF Green, and it's at like six in the morning. So had I left on Sunday, I would have missed everything. You would have been at the con Sunday. So so I left on Monday morning, and then I took Tuesday off from work because I'm like, man, this is going to be a shit show coming home. (laughs) Yeah, we we drove home that Sunday after that Sunday. I think by by one o'clock we were in the car coming home, and. Thank God for my wife because have, had I tried to drive the whole way, we'd be we'd be dead. Uh, <laughs> literally, I like I got about an hour and I started to feel very unsafe, and she took over. And I was like, "Oh, thank, thank yeah. God," because uh, I was exhausted. I was really dead on my feet by then. It, it's it's a it's a really really busy four you know five days. I know a lot of people came in on Wednesday. Um, you're, you're packing a lot a lot of stuff to do, and and it's a lot of FaceTime, right? Like I'm. I think a lot of us are, you know, a little bit more on the introverted side. So like you're continually just, you know, pressing the flash and hanging out, with, which is great. I mean, I, I love it. I wouldn't change it for anything, but it, it's a lot of uh, energy. You know, it's, it's, it's funny how many people I meet who claim to be introverts and I talk to them fine all the time. It's like, I would have never classified. I don't know how you are with most other people, but you've always been friendly and chatty pretty much since the day. Well, I was drunk when I met you. So maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe that took maybe, and you quickly joined me. Um, so maybe that helped <laughs> that the foundation of our relationship is based, right. is based in alcohol. <laughs> maybe we just got off on the right foot. Right. Um, but no, I wouldn't peg you as it. Well, that I wouldn't peg. I don't have that. In, I don't get that from you. But again, then maybe I'm just blessed. I with with people that I'm close to, you can't get me to shut up. But you, you put put me in a room and I don't know anybody. Then then for like even Wednesday night at Blake's, um, you know, was hanging out with Vince, and, and you know we had come from the airport. We dropped our shit at the hotel and you know went over to meet everybody out there. And then he left and I was talking to Chad and Chad kind of wandered away. And then I was just sort of like, well, I'm here with everybody. And then Max came over and Max started talking to me and got me like, you know, in with another group and then, you know, sort of picked it up and, you know, and then the rest of the night was fine. But yeah, like kind of left on my own. I'm kind of like over here a little well, bit. Well, at Necronomicon, you're never really, I mean, literally we take wow. over that. <laughs> we take over that beautiful little city, at least those, those five square blocks near the uh, where the con's taking place. You can't throw sure. a dead cat without a black T-shirt with an eldritch horror on it. Yep. No, absolutely. <laughs> and it's great. I mean, it's the greatest. I, I, I so look forward to that con. It's just so much fun. Yeah, I really, I, I was sorry that I missed the last one. I wasn't sorry when I was missing it because I was so just burned out. Yeah. But it was nice to get back. And and really have a, a positive, a positive convention. Uh, I, I really, I had missed it. So and it's weird. You miss one, you're not going for four years. I mean, yeah. that's the that's the weirdest thing about missing one Necronomicon because you're mm-hmm. not getting another chance next year. Um, so if you right. missed one, it's you're you're not going for four years. So that's pretty that's pretty weird. It's rough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I schedule vacations around that one, and then that's coming up. I'm like, well, this is my big thing for the year, then, you know. Right, right. Because it's not cheap. <laughs> oh no, no, it's not cheap. 
And we stayed at the Omni this year. Oh, man, especially with the extra day, that was rough. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, it is – it's unavoidable for – I mean, for, for someone like me repping a small company that we really – you know, our life's blood is our fans. You know, we, we live off and we live or die off our Kickstarters. So mm-hmm. if you're not promoting at at Necronomicon, it, it's tough. I mean, we yeah. had a, we had a tough year after, you know, after we didn't go. I mean, everybody was like, oh, is, is, is Oscar on drugs or getting a divorce? I'm like, no, because <laughs> because it's like you don't show up for Necronomicon. It's like, oh, my God, what's you know, it's like people kept calling me and saying, are you OK? And I'm like, yeah, I, I'm just home. Like, why aren't you at Necronomicon? <laughs> I'm like, because I've been writing for eight months and, I, you know, literally, I, I just want to cry every day, um, you know. It, 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 it's not, you know, what goes into winning an Emmy is not pretty all the time. <laughs> You're right, right. And I was, I was really, and it was like, that was my heart of darkness, you know, summer of getting that book ready. Um, so yeah, I was not missing that going. It's like, I was so stressed out of like trying to finish this book and Necronomicon's coming and I had to cut Necronomicon out, but I did miss it. Like I really looked forward this year to going and, and, getting back in touch and it's grown so much more um just in the four years i hadn't been there city still seemed the same yeah i think a couple of places well mccormick and schmitz had closed and i think one of the other better better restaurants better restaurants i think and the hotel no longer had a bar yeah but it did have the most overpriced coffee shop i'd ever been to um, yeah, I I didn't. Vince Vince got his coffee there one one morning, but I we went to Dunkin'. I mean, yeah, you could get you know two, two sandwiches, two coffees for you know eight nine bucks for like a cup of coffee. If you get like you know this and that and soy whatever, like cost you ten bucks just for one cup. You know, right, right. I think I had two boiled eggs, a croissant, and a cup of coffee. It was like eleven bucks. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a bit much. I'm like I'm like <laughs> it's two boiled eggs and a croissant. Um, you know, I can get like the lumberjack platter at Denny's, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. There, there's not a lot of good breakfast options. I know that the kitchen, I guess is a, I don't know if it's a newer place. I know Ken was talking about it. it said the food was really good, but maybe it was like a 15 minute walk. Yeah. That, that's not happening. Not on my knees. Yeah, well, and it's early too, right? Like the only early panel that I recorded was yours. There was a couple other things going on that I wanted to record. And I'm like, I'm not fucking getting up at seven o'clock <laughs> to go record a panel. Forget it. Well, I, I appreciate <laughs> that you, you came and did mine. Uh, I think that was after the tiki bar, right? I think that was the yeah, yeah. morning after. Yeah, we were both. Uh, well, I got up extra early and I went to have dinner, have breakfast in that hotel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which was uh, a good move. But uh, I was well caffeinated for that period. <laughs> yeah, we brought coffee. We stopped for coffee. It was. Oh, yeah. That that's that con is run on caffeine. For sure. Caffeine and eldritch horror. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, speaking of coffee, this is a nice segue. Speaking of, well, you know, if you and I are talking, eventually. <laughs> Eventually, we're going to get to coffee. 
Exactly. We do have a sponsor for those of you who may not know. I don't know who that could be, but we do have a sponsor. It's Birds of a Feather Coffee. There's a link in the show notes for the legendary brew. You could also go to tinyurl.com forward slash legendary brew. It's a medium roast. It's roasted by my good friend, Neil. Uh, he has his own coffee roasting business on the side. It's fantastic. It's what I keep in my house. Uh, I don't drink well, if I go out, like you have what you have. But if I go to a friend's house, I go to my parents' house, I bring my coffee press, I bring my own little coffee and shit like on Christmas and whatever. Like, it's just what I have here. It's really, really good. I wouldn't say that it was if it wasn't. You know, it'd be one of those things where you're like, yeah, you're roasting coffee. That's cool. Good good for you. I, that's good luck. But no, it's it's awesome. I order, you know, pretty regularly. Um, I, I've had it. It is good. Yep. Uh, and, usually, and I don't even know this guy. <laughs> uh, if, if you use code LEGENDS10, you're going to get 10% off your order. Shipping is always free. And you can also use that code and the fr uh, free shipping on the other Birds of a Feather Coffee flagship things. He's got the Night Owl blend, which is a dark roast. Uh, the Hummingbird, I think, is the decaf. And the Morning Lark is a, uh, a light roast. Uh, so Please check those out. Uh, you know, use the code. You get the free shipping. It's almost like he's giving the coffee away, and it's crazy because it's super good. So please check that out. And that's, I, I think we probably, I think we kicked this pig to death, right? I think so. <laughs> well, I want to thank you for coming on. It's always a pleasure to have you on. It was so great to see it, see you at Necronomicon this year. Uh, I, I always get a chance. I, I love you know getting the opportunity to just like hang out in person because this is cool, but. You know, it's not the same thing as being able to hoist a glass of and give course, you a hug. And... Of course. Oh, well. All right. Well, enjoy your upcoming con. Ah, thank you. You as well. Thank you. And uh, we'll, we'll slide into 20. We'll slide out of 2019. Uh, yep, it's rapidly approaching. <laughs> yes. Yes. The sweet kiss of autumn is upon us. Well, it's still ninety something well, degrees here. So <laughs> screw you. You're, it's always it's always going to be hot where you are. I tell you what, we get more fall weather wise here once the monsoons break and the you know the temperature starts to come down a little bit because eighty with no humidity is a fall day. Really, you get a little bit of a breeze. It's gorgeous. I, I'm going to be in Vermont in a few weeks. That's fall. Well, yeah, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. All right, well, good luck on the Kickstarter. We're already funded, so that's awesome. So hopefully yes. uh, you really kill this thing and uh, hit all those stretch goals and give people all kinds of awesome goodness. Well, it's up, it's up to them. Please share it on social media. Absolutely. Max is already back. So anybody else who's listening, please go and, uh, and check it out and see if it's something that you're interested in. Uh, the scenarios are a little less deadly by design. Uh, I guess you could always ramp that up in your in your home play if you if you like. But well, they're you know they're designed for adolescent investigators. Oh, it's so like Scooby Doo. If if you want to roll up a dog for the kids, roll up a dog for the kids. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, thank you, sir. Like I said, it's great to see you. You're and, very uh, welcome. We'll catch you all next time. Later. This podcast is a proud member of the Legends of Tabletop broadcast network. For more gaming-related content, please visit www.legendsoftabletop.com.